the Lord's Prayer. Uh, there's two versions of the Lord's Prayer in the Bible. There's Matthew chapter 6, which is the fuller version, the fuller account. There's also uh, Luke, Luke uh, chapter 11. So we're going to stay in uh, Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to look at verses 7 to 13. So what I'll do um, while that's starting... <coughs> I'll read those to you in case you don't have your Bibles. I'll be reading from the uh, English uh, Standard Version. And it says this. When you pray, Jesus speaking to his disciples, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. So pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yeah, I think I'll pray actually. Oh, we're there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Great stuff. I'm going to pray for us, okay? Dear God, I want to say thank you for being with us this morning already, and thank you for your felt presence amongst us in our worship. Thank you for moving and touching our hearts, Holy Spirit. And we just want to give you this next, however, half an hour or so of this time, and ask that you encounter us, Holy Spirit, as we look at a wonderful biblical truth. And I pray that only biblical truth will remain in our hearts and minds. And I thank you, God, that your word is powerful, it transforms and changes. It increases our faith. So we ask that we might encounter you, God, in the Bible this morning. And that we really get a grasp and an insight and an understanding of how you, how you feel about us. And that we have a right understanding of you too, God. So please come, Holy Spirit, help me. Uh, help us as hearers also. We just want to encounter you now, God. As we hear your wonderful truth, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, so off we go. Um, Wow. Introduction then. Uh, Much can be said about prayer. Um, What do you leave in? What do you miss out? Um, I want to highlight some things about prayer. Uh, I don't know who said this, but someone once said that a Christian's vital breath or life breath is, is prayer. A Christian's vital breath is prayer. And we know prayer can be spontaneous to us as believers and, and natural. Uh, sometimes it takes effort, doesn't it? Effort and discipline. Um, sometimes it's hard to focus, isn't it, when we pray. And our minds tend to wander. Um, and our, our prayer, our praying is, is being resisted too, isn't it? Because we, we have an adversary. He doesn't want us to pray, the devil, does he? 
You know, the devil knows the effect and how powerful prayer is more than believers do. He knows that. He knows that in the purposes of God, prayer makes a difference. The devil knows that. And I hope that myself and us really kind of get to, as we work through the Lord's Prayer, we grasp something of that, of how prayer really does make a difference. Um, I think when it comes to praying, the devil, the devil will give us every distraction. Have you noticed that? Even good things will distract you from praying. I think prayer really is like a, a neglected weapon. Um, prayer does change, <coughs> prayer does change things. You know, prayer changes us too, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I've noticed that. Prayer has it leaves a mark on you, doesn't it, spiritually? It does something to you internally in your internal world when you connect, when you engage with God, when you encounter God. That leaves a mark on you. There's some transformation happening in your life. A prayer, I think, also is um, is a good barometer or a good indicator of kind of where we really are, isn't it? It's nothing like prayer to be like a reality check of, of how we are doing spiritually. How's your prayer life? Do you have one? Because for me, the challenge is not how much I know but how much time I spend with God. Because that's really what it comes down to, isn't it, at the end of the day. Uh, we have a relationship with God that we want to cultivate and grow in, and prayer is, is the way that we do that. So, because we know prayer is hard work, certainly the disciples found it hard work, because one of them took the initiative. In Luke 11, chapter 1, it says, one of Jesus' disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So this disciple, he's seen Jesus going out to quiet, secret places, out in the wilderness and other places, kind of outside the camp, and spending uh, quality time with God. And I think this disciple kind of added up that there was a connection between Jesus' public ministry and what he was achieving and his prayer life. And someone else once said, we are only as good as our prayer life. That's true, isn't it? I, I know, and I guess you know too, if you've been a Christian for a while, that the less you pray, the more you achieve. Have you noticed that? Maybe it's just me. But I notice that when, if I do not pray, I will not achieve in terms of the kingdom of God as much as I could achieve if, if I was a man of prayer. And that's the bottom line, isn't it? We're only as good as our prayer life. I think it was A.W. Tozer who might have said that. Um, If we could go to slide two, please, at the back. We've already looked at that. Uh, If we could go to slide three, thank you. Okay, so we've read the Lord's Prayer. We, we are going to focus and land on verse 9. That's all we're going to be looking at today. Um, pray then like this, Jesus said, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. <coughs> I want to talk to you about three points this morning. Uh, one is the fact that God <coughs> is our Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just, just, 
stay with that for a while. Let that one sink in. What it means to be a child of God. What does it mean for us to be the children of God? Which is an incredible thing. But also about honouring God, because it talks about hallowed be the name of God. Holy, set apart uh, is the name of God. If we could just go to slide four, which is our last slide. You know, when Jesus says, pray then like this, it's like, I feel that Jesus is saying, I want you to understand something. Before you get into all the exciting stuff about making your request and praying for the kingdom and all the dynamic stuff, there's something you need to know. You've got to start with this understanding and this knowledge. On this basis, we pray. We need to know and acknowledge something about God. It's really important. And what is it that Jesus wants to emphasize and really punch home before we get into all our requests? And it says that God (coughs) is your Father in heaven. And that God is holy. He's set apart. And he's to be honoured. But also, not only do we need to know and acknowledge something about God, we also need to acknowledge and know something about us. Our status, our position, our identity. Who are we? And that is that we are a child of God. 1 John says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. In that verse 9, I want to say there's gold in verse 9. This whole thing about knowing who God is and knowing who we are, there's revelation gold in that verse 9. And it's really, really important that we do not rush on from verse 9. And maybe we just need to sort of pull up the parking brake and spend a bit of time just reflecting, thinking on, meditating on who God is and that we are a child of God. Because it's very easy to kind of rush through verse 9, like it's just the start of a prayer. But we miss the gold and we miss the revelation that Jesus is trying to get across to us. Something about God and something about you. Don't miss that. Don't rush past that. Um, When I was doing some research into this, I noticed... um, the commentaries state that when, when the word Father is used, because the Bible is written in Greek, but Jesus' language of the day would be Aramaic. Uh, so when it says Father, uh, Jesus would have used the word Abba in Aramaic. Now Abba is a, kind of is like the equivalent of our word Daddy or Papa. 
but it's not in any reverent way. It's, it's really a, a term of uh, intimacy. It's a, it's a term for affection and warmth and dependence and relationship. So it's a really wonderful word, Abba Father, um, because it expresses all these important things. You know, if ever you look at the prayers of Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus always addresses God as Father. Because he was the Father, wasn't he? And he was the Son of God. But also the Son of Man, and he had this relationship to God as a Son and a Father. But the amazing thing is, is that so can we. So, for example, in uh, John chapter 20, verse 17... Uh, when Jesus was in the garden and with, uh, I think it was Mary, who, who came, came up to him, and Jesus said to her that, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. I think that's really wonderful. I think someone's already said that this morning. I'm sure I heard that come out somewhere. Did you, Jamie? Um, how amazing is that, that Jesus is saying to, to, to Mary, my Father and your Father. And I think we have to grasp what a privilege that is to be able to say that God is my Father in heaven. Because not everyone can say that. Not in the way that you can say it. Because we have been brought into a redeemed, redeeming relationship with God that we did not have before. So to say Father in heaven, see this was a prayer given to the disciples. This is a prayer given to believers. And we know this is probably the most popular prayer in the world. And it's said all around the world. But it's really a prayer for believers. Because only a believer, only a child can, of God can say, Abba, Father. In the way that you can say it. Because there actually is a relationship, a redeemed relationship. You are now in Christ. Whereas before you were outside of Christ. So you could not say what you can now say. Abba, Father. Uh, you'll notice in Paul's letters, in the beginning of all Paul's letters, he starts off by saying, Grace and peace to you, to the churches. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You look at all his letters, every single letter, he starts off saying, Grace and peace to you from God your Father. So even Paul is emphasizing, wants the, these young Christians to grasp that God is their Father in heaven. Don't miss that. It's, it's more than a title. It's, this is a relationship that you didn't have before. And you could never have had before. Apart from God breaking into your life. I want to say something about um, God as Father in Heaven. We've already been singing about it this morning. And that is that, that God cares for us as a Father. You know, God said, if, if I'm taking of birds and sparrows how much more will I take care of you how much more valuable are you over birds and sparrows so if I'm taking care of them and you are more valuable than them surely I will take care of you so he's taking care of you but also he's protecting you you know Jesus said um, 
my sheep hear my voice and I give them eternal life. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. But, and that's the bit we tend to remember. But he actually went on to say something else directly after that. And he said, but my father is greater than I. And no one can snatch you out of his hand. So you've got both the father and son who are protecting you, providing for you, taking care of you in this wonderful uh, relationship that you have with them. You know, something has happened. Something has happened for us and something has happened to us. Mm. You know, there is a sense, if you like, because God pursues us and because God wanted us, there's a sense in which you could say, God moved heaven and earth for you. Mm. And I'm going to read you from Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 onwards, that says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has moved heaven and earth for you. If I could use that expression. When I wrote this, that's what I was thinking about. That God has done something for us and, and to us. And we have become the children of God. And you have become a child of God, not because you're made in the image of God, but you have become a child of God through new birth and through adoption. That's how you become a child of God. So in John chapter 1 it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh or a parent, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And in Galatians 3 it says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. So this is saying it's the children of God are those who believe and the children of God are those who are in Christ. So for us to say again, Abba Father, is huge. It's really huge because you have been saved from something. You know, Paul said we were once children of wrath. When Jesus was addressing unbelieving Jews, he said, you're of the fo- your father the devil. That's strong, isn't it? And what about Hebrews? It said, um, when there were these professing people in the church and there was stuff in their life that didn't really sort of give evidence of the Christian faith 
the writer of Hebrews said, careful, you might be, um, well, how did he use that expression? You might be illegitimate and not sons. So, the fact that we can say ever father is, is a big deal not to be held lightly. Because you've been saved from something. Something's happened to you. Um, for you and to you. Do you know, our highest relationship is our relationship with God. Because that relationship has eternal significance, doesn't it? It's your highest relationship. <coughs> it's as high as you can get in terms of relationships. You know, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except by me. It's the highest relationship you, you can have, but you have that relationship with your Father. And that, that relationship is more important than, than anything we do or anything we might hope to aspire to. It's the most important thing. And sometimes we can be so busy in life, even doing good things, Christian things, that we forget the connection and we forget the relationship because it's the most important thing. And I, I went through a period in my life, I mean, probably some years ago, it was the lowest point in my Christian life, and I've been a Christian for over 30 years, but I went through a really traumatic event <coughs> where for many, 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 many years, my, I was pursuing something that was a godly ambition. So I was motivated by what Paul says to Timothy, to aspire to certain things. And... But then God closed all those doors. And, but the way it happened was really, really painful. And, and I thought, God, what's going on? I could see all oh, you're leading towards a certain thing, and then all those doors closed, and it's devastating. But I went through a period where I had to realise that the most important thing in my life wasn't what I was pursuing, which was doing something for God, but actually the most important thing was God Himself. Yeah. And I had to go through a journey and process over probably a couple of years. <clears throat> where when something was taken away from me, I, I saw it from a different perspective. I saw the value of it that actually, do you know what, that wasn't the most important thing, even though it was a good thing that actually the most important thing was God himself. And that's the most important thing. Um, and I went through a process where I made it my aim from that point on where I just wanted to grow in a greater understanding and a greater revelation of my sonship in God. Because suddenly that's what came into focus and that was what was important. And it wasn't the activity, it wasn't the task, it wasn't doing something for God. As important as those things are, and it's important to aspire to those things, but actually at the end of the day, it's God himself that really is the one thing that is most important. You know, King David, he went through a lot of traumatic events in his life, but he said... <coughs> 
one thing do I desire? And that's to be in the presence of God all the days of my life. It's the one thing. Because it's, that one, it's the one thing that can't be taken from you, isn't it? You can lose everything in your life, but one thing remains. And that's our relationship with God. And that's the most important thing. And someone who lives without revelation is almost untouchable in a way, really, aren't they? Because you can take everything away from, from them, like Job, and yet Job still remained a worshipper. I'll give you an example. One of the things that really helped me through a period was I heard someone preach on the life of David. I loved the life of David. What an amazing thing. He was a real soldier, wasn't he? But he was also a man after God's own heart. And he was a great worshipper of God. Mm -hmm. And David's aim not only was uh, there to be peace uh, for Israel with its neighbouring nations, but one of David's, the desire in his heart was to build something for God. He wanted to see a temple built in Jerusalem. And years and years and years he fought for it. And his hands were bloody with war. And then when the time came where he thought, this is it. Now this can be achieved. God said, you're not going to do that now. I'm going to give that task to your son, Solomon. And David's like, why? I've been doing this and I've been doing that for you. And God said, your hands are bloody with war. So I need to give that to your son, Solomon. And I can imagine David's heart is like, but you told me to do fight all those wars. I know you're saying, I'm going to give it to your son. And I, I don't know what process David must have gone through, but I kind of related to it. But then David realised that actually, he did need a building for the presence of God. That he made the most amazing discovery that he could have the presence of God in his life, day by day, and moment by moment. So David went through a lot of disappointment. He didn't get to build his temple. But you know, it's when David was in the desert that David said, Your steadfast love, O oh God, is better than life itself. And it's probably when he was at his lowest period where David would come out with his wonderful statements like, In your presence, O oh God, there is fullness of joy. And you know, this is where we find our, this is where home is for us, isn't it? it? It's in the presence of God, it's being with God, it's knowing God. I just want to say something about the fact that we have been adopted children of God. You know, the thing about adoption is that it doesn't happen by accident even in a human level. To go through a process of adoption, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes planning, it takes a lot of it takes work, it takes uh, takes a choice, etc. etc. So the fact the fact that we are adopted children of God is is because you are wanted. 
Yeah, it's because you want it. If you have been adopted into the family of God, that's not an accident. <coughs> you are a child of God because God wants you. And you don't want to, you don't really want to see yourself in sort of just a number in a crowd and lose <coughs> and lose the weight or the significance of that. Because even if you're in a big family, if you have been adopted into that family, that's really important, isn't it? That's really significant. Because someone has had, had a look at you and said, yes, I want that one. Whoever you are, there's no outside your family, but you as an individual between you and God, God said, yes, I love that one. I want that one. That one's going to be my family. That's amazing. You know, being adopted is, is just so incredible. We have such a great salvation. We know, having been redeemed, we know that with our salvation, we have been, give, been forgiven, yes? Mm-hmm. But we know it didn't stop there. Yeah. We also know, and I've preached on this in the past, we know that it did, the good news of gospel doesn't stop at forgiveness, but... In addition to that, God has credited to you the righteousness of Christ. <coughs> so that not only has your debts been paid off, but you have been credited, so spiritually speaking, in terms of righteousness, you've been in this, when it comes to the righteousness of Christ has been added to your account. So you have been justified, you have been credited with the righteousness of Christ. So that <coughs> perfect life and obedience has been put in your account. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. And what is true of him is true of you. So how God sees the Son is how he sees you. Because you are joined to him, grafted into him, united to him. So what is true of Jesus is true of you. So he sees you just like he sees mm-hmm. his own son. The son that he says, this yeah. is my son with whom I'm well pleased. You know, he sees yes. you like that too. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that you are in the son? But when it comes to adoption, you need to understand it did stop at adoption as well. So we're forgiven, but hallelujah, we're justified also. So we are declared righteous. We're adopted, yes. You think, oh, what's it going to say? You've been made an heir. <coughs> when you're adopted, you, you get to inherit. And the Bible says that we are co heirs with Christ. Now, I listened to a story recently of um, was, uh, one of my, one of my uh, guys that I like listening to and reading his books, a guy called John Piper. And he was telling the story of how he adopted uh, a little girl. And I didn't even know this. I only just found this out a couple of weeks ago. In the last couple of weeks, I was preparing for this. I didn't realise that he adopted, <coughs> he adopted someone in his family. And he said, when he adopted this little girl, they realised they... Because... When their children were first born, they, as parents, they, they got their wills done. But of course, now they've adopted this child, they realise, oh, we need to change our wills. Because this new child in our family is now needs to be written into our wills. This child has got some legal status. So this child now gets to inherit along with the boys. And that's one of the So. You have been written in. You have been made a co-heir 
with Christ. Yes. So you get to inherit too. So you have legal status in heaven because you have been adopted. So you're kind of sealed, stamped and delivered. You're a child of God. But it's all legal, it's all official. All the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. It's official. The paperwork is in place. Alright? And it's not going to go missing. Uh, when it comes to this, this whole thing about being heirs, um, where shall I take you to? Um, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, it says this, um, from verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will. God wants this. He made it happen. In Galatians 4 it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption. Maybe you thought God sent Jesus just so you could be forgiven. Well, yes, it included that. But it says here that God sent Jesus so that you could be adopted. God made a way. God made a way. So you are blessed, you are chosen, you're loved, you're predestined, You've been saved for adoption. Mm. That's who you are. God sent his son that you might receive adoption. In Romans uh, (coughs) chapter 8, it says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. And fellow heirs or co-heirs with Christ. Isn't that amazing? I think I think the greater our experience of the Holy Spirit the more the more we will come into the sort of the realisation that we are the children of God because the Holy Spirit as we know is the Spirit of Christ but the Holy Spirit is also referred to as the Spirit of Adoption and Peter talks about when the Holy Spirit is poured into our hearts or Peter and Paul talks about having joy unspeakable, inexpressible and full of glory and we will be crying out Abba, Father so the deeper your your experience of the Holy Spirit the deeper the revelation of your sonship now I guess as as ladies just, just to say something 
often you, when you're reading the scriptures, you think, sons, sons, sons. It's what about sons, isn't it? You don't hear daughters. Well, I, I want to take you back in time, back to the culture of the day. Now, back in the day, uh, the daughters didn't get an equal inheritance like the sons. The sons kind of got the, the greater inheritance. Now, unfortunately, the daughters got a lesser inheritance. So when the Bible was saying that you will get, you will inherit a sons, it's, li- it's elevating you. You get in the higher, you get in the higher inheritance. Because Paul said back in Galatians, just to uh, just to make this point, he said, "In Jesus Christ, you are all sons, right?" So you ladies might be thinking. I'm not a son. Through faith. But he goes on to say, for as many as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have become Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there's neither male or female, you're all one in Christ. So although Paul says you're all sons, then he goes on to say there's neither male or female. So you need to understand that when you read sons, it's talking about you getting a full inheritance. It's here. Your, her- your inheritance isn't here. It's there. It's there. You- you're getting. You're getting the best. Actually, you need to understand that. Mm. Uh, just very quickly, just to say, <coughs> when it talks about "hallowed be your name," we know "hallowed" means to to be holy. It means to to, to, to be set apart, to be separate. It means to be honoured. Uh, and it's important that. Although we understand that God is Father, Daddy, Abba, Father, Jesus also followed that up with, hallowed be your name. So it keeps us in check, doesn't it? It keeps us in balance. That we're not irreverent. Yes, he's Father, he's Daddy, he's Abba, Father. Um, but we don't sort of, we're not flippant as we go into the presence of God. That it's some small thing. But actually God is holy. And, you know, there's an account in the Old Testament, in the, in the book of, of Malachi, where the priests were bringing worship to God and they were not following protocol, if you like, and God was not happy. And he was saying to them, do you know, you show more respect to your earthly masters than you do to me. And yet I'm God Almighty. I'm the King of Kings. I'm the Almighty King. But you show more respect to your earthly masters than you do to me. And even though they were the people of God and they were Israel... God said, I'm not happy uh, because you're coming in a, in a, with a wrong approach. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about um, let us with boldness and confidence approach God and the presence of God. And it says that earlier on in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 4, let us approach the throne of God with boldness. But later on in chapter 12, it talks about... Um, <coughs> It's let's make sure that our worship, we worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So we need that balance, don't we? Let's not lose our vision of God and have a low view of God. Let's have a high view of God. Yes, he's Abba, Father, but he's also a consuming fire. And he's holy, and he's awesome, and he's God Almighty. And we don't lose that when we go through the the Lord's Prayer. Um, 
So when it comes to praying for stuff, and we pray that God's, <coughs> God's name would be honoured in every sphere of life. So in your life, in, in your family, in the workplace, in the nation, in the government. So we're praying that God will be honoured in all those spheres of life. Um, but through us too. So just to end with, Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, who is heaven, who is in heaven, sorry. Um, so, I just wanted to bring that, because it's, it's in the text, but just to keep us in balance, um, let's not lose the awe of God um, when we approach with, with this wonderful, bold approach that we can have towards God as our Father. Let's also remember He is God Almighty, and He is a consuming fire. Um, so I hope you guys found that helpful um, don't know why I should with that today um, but I'd like to pray for us if I might, just before we finish God I thank you for the amazing revelation that you are our father in heaven mm. and that's no small thing and you really did mean heaven and earth in many respects, to make that happen and to make that possible. Mm-hmm. And we stand here today by the grace of God, mm-hmm. knowing that we have received what we did not deserve. And we have received more than forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We've received the free, the free gift of God, the free righteousness of God. I thank you that we've received more than adoption, but you have made us heirs and joint heirs as well. I thank you for how you have elevated us to a status and a position that is just beyond what we can really grasp. But we just want to say thank you, God, for what you have done for us. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, just for more revelation as we work through this prayer of all that you are and all that you have done for us and can do for us um, as we look to you and put our trust in you, God. Amen. Amen.